Amen. It's wonderful to see family sing, isn't it? It really is. Okay, good to have you all this morning. And Luke chapter 13, you can turn to it if you'd like. The title of my message this morning is, God, Where Are You? You ever feel like God's missing at times in your life? <laughs> God, where are you? Well, uh, notice some things, if you would. Luke chapter 13, verse 1. There were present at, the se- at that season some that told him of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans? Because they suffered such things, I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. So we have a circumstance here that it's a man-made tragedy. A man-made tragedy. Pilate killed these Galileans, okay? But notice he goes on, verse 4 and 5. Or he speaks about another event. Or those 18 upon whom the tower in Siloam fell and slew them. Think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. So you have a man-made tragedy. Now you have a tragedy by accident. And the Lord was emphasizing to the Jewish people there, the point is, Everybody needs to always be ready because you don't know when that's going to happen, something in your life. I like the insurance company that comes on and says it happens. And sometimes it happens, doesn't it? Things happen in life. There was another individual person. He was struggling with all the evil around him, just like we are today. Uh, America, we're struggling with America and uh, all the stuff that's going on around us, I mean, it's just, it's almost like a nightmare, it seems like today. Where there was a prophet of God, and that's the way it was with him in his time. His name is Habakkuk. <laughs> Habakkuk. And he says this the first time in verse 2 of chapter 1, O Lord, how long shall I cry? And thou will not hear. Even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou will not save. Why dost thou show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me. And there are that raise up strife and contention. Therefore the law is slacked. (laughs) Sounds like today. Judgment doth never go forth. For the wicked doth compass about the righteous. Therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. Sounds like today somewhat, doesn't it? And then he says again in verse 12, he says this, Art thou not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, my Holy One? We shall not die, O Lord. Thou hast ordained them for judgment. And, O mighty God, thou hast established them for correction. Thou art of pure eyes than to behold evil, and canst not look on iniquity, wherefore lookest thou upon them that deal treacherously and holdest thy tongue when the wicked devoureth the man 
that is more righteous than he. And all of them are coming to a point, God, where are you? I mean, we're trying to live for you. Don't you see what's going on around us? I've lost our country here. I don't know what's happening. And God, I've prayed, I've tried. You've seen what's happened here. You don't look on evil in a favorable way, of course. But you've seen it. Why don't you do something? Are you God or or are you not God? Where are you? Today, in our country, we've seen a lot of awful things. We've seen the Parkland shootings down in Florida a little while back in the high school there. We've seen the shootings in Texas at the church, at the school, little children that were killed. We've had our own experience at the Greenwood Mall here, have we not? And then just this past week in Memphis, Tennessee, guy went out shooting, four dead, nine wounded. We look at our city of Indianapolis, and you see it going in a downward spiral. You see it happening before our very, very eyes. And we're saying, where was God or where is God? A fellow by the name of Chuck Templeton, many years ago, he was a Canadian in Canada. He was an evangelist. He won multitudes of souls to Christ. They, uh, he was contemporary with the time of Billy Graham. And uh, they said he was equivalent to Billy Graham, and Billy Graham, and some said he was even better in the way that he delivered his messages. But he shocked the world. He wrote a book. The title of the book is Farewell to God, My Reasons for Leaving the Christian Faith. What was the reason he was leaving? He had seen a picture in Africa of a lady, a mother, holding her baby up and the baby had died for lack of water. They were having a big drought. And he said to himself, where is God? And he says to God, God, why? Couldn't you have at least given a little rain so this baby could have had something to drink? Where were you? And walked away from his faith. That speaks for a vast number of our world today. They wonder where God is. Britney Spears, great spiritual giant. (laughs) A couple of months ago, she became Catholic. And just the other day, this week, I just read that she doesn't believe there's a God now. Now she's an atheist. Her reasoning, she said because of the way her parents and her children now that are growing up have treated her so unfairly. And she's thinking, where is God? You know, in Israel, if you think a person should be religious, you would think the nation of Israel would be. But the majority of Israelis are agnostics. And the reason for that is the legacy of the Holocaust. And I remember Mr. Weiss, who promoted their museum and everything, but I remember him saying we were there and people were 
treated so inhumanly and they just horrific scenes and he says there is no God because a God who cared would not allow something like this to go on. And so they're agnostics now. Then you ask yourself, what would a loving and true God allow a flood to take away and kill, they believe estimates, of 2 billion people during the flood and only allow eight souls of a family to be able to survive? Us, we say, where is God? <laughs> On September the 11th, 2001. That's why the flags were out. We're remembering that. 3,000 souls were snuffed out when two airplanes flew into the Twin Towers. And you remember the scenes, many of you, and it, it was horrific. And most of them, by the way, were Saudis. They were from Saudi Arabia. That's why I don't support live golf because the money that's paying the golfers are from it's Saudi money. And I don't believe they should have anything to do with Saudi money. And you know, uh, the people of the Twin Towers who lost their husbands, their brothers, their children, and things like that went together and wrote them a letter. I don't know how that affected them whatsoever, but sometimes greed supersedes common sense, doesn't it? You and your hardships. Say right now, you're going through a rough time. But you've not had any kind of miraculous intervention from God. And you say, God, why are you silent? Where are you? Let me share a few biblical truths if I could. Remember this, that God made angels and mankind as free will moral agents. They could choose to do right or wrong. And as soon as God gave the angels and man that free will, man could choose to say no to God. And you know what happened? He did. Angels did and he did. It happens in life. Luke chapter 7, verse 29 says this here. And all the people that heard him and the publicans justified God being baptized with the baptism of John. They believed his message. But the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the counsel of God. They said no to the will and the things of God. With free will, man could choose, make his own choices. But they should always remember this, then they have to bear the consequences of those choices. We reap what we sow. The good news is God in his word has taught us what is right and what is wrong. But have you ever noticed that most of the time or too often, man chooses to go against God's will? Have you noticed that? For instance, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this. It's a familiar group of verses. 
Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding in all thy ways. Acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. So what does man do with that? Romans chapter 1, verse 28 says this. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Verse 32 tells us something. Who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. That's man's decision ability. And there's a reason man always chooses to do wrong at times. Romans 5.12 says this, Wherefore, as by one man, Adam, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed up on all men, for that all have sinned. When man sinned in the garden, Adam, it passed on down to his children, to their children, and to us. Now when we're born, we're born with this sinful nature. And that sinful nature, it's bent. It's been tarnished. It has a desire to go opposite of God's will. And the reason is the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Today we experience or see many terrible things going on. But just remember this and understand this. God is not out to get us. Okay? He's not out to get us, but Satan is. Remember, Satan is the first one who ever sinned. He's the first one who used his free will to choose to go against God. And he said those famous five I wills. I'll be uh, higher than the heavens and receive glory and uh, I'll be like the Most High God, and so on. And he used his will, those five I wills, and then a third of the angels used their wills to follow him. A third of them. That's amazing. He tries to blind us the truth. He tries to get us to make decisions based upon our feelings of pride. And by the way... If you're having some contention with somebody in your life, always remember this. With pride comes contention. Somebody has pride. Or he tries to get us to become bitter. We're mad at life. We're mad at people. We want to fight back and retaliate. Or he tries to get us to use our flesh, the lust of our flesh, or it's greed. But he doesn't want us to go to God's word. These are some truths about this whole subject. One, we live, that chipmunk again, we live in a fallen, in a fallen world, do we not? Man is sinfully depraved. He makes bad decisions, and that causes catastrophes, hurt. Pain and even death. You don't think that, just think of Putin right now. <laughs> you think of Russia and what's going on there. It's an unbelievable scene. That's man's decisions to do wrong. 
Not only that, Psalm 9.17 says this here. I think it's interesting. Psalm 9.17, if you don't have it, there you go. The wicked shall be turned into hell and all nations that forget God. And our country over the years has consistently begun and has turned its back on God. There are few people within government that love God, and we thank God for that. But the overall system that's ruling now is exclusion of God. And when you forget God, can you imagine the decisions that will be coming down the pike? Somebody said this, evil is a byproduct of a wrong choice or the choice with the absence of God's truth. And we're seeing them make choices that are absent of God in our government today. And there is a payment that is due on this country as a result. We often have, have grief in our life, hurt, because of poor choices made in our life. Sometimes we blame everybody else. It's our own choice that's done it. Or the choice of others that has affected us. Always remember this. When I choose to go opposite of God's way and will, I'm, make, I'm making my own way up from my own desires. And when I sin, I don't just sin unto myself. It affects all those around me. Huh? It, you think of Achan. Did it affect anybody in his family? They all were stoned to death because of his greed, his covetousness. And so I'm saying you cannot send. You say, well, it's just me. No, it's not. It's a mom. It's a dad. It's a brother. It's a sister. It's a friend. It's God. A lot of people are affected in that. Then sadly, most often, most people blame God for what's going on. Oh, if God were loving, if God were real, he would have intervened, stopped all this stuff. Yeah, after you've made a mess, you want him to fix it now. Psalm 10.1 says this here. Psalm 10.1. Why standest thou afar off, O Lord? Why hidest thyself in times of trouble? God, where are you? <laughs> where are you? An interesting thing is, I want you to hang with me right here for a second because I will make it clear, I promise. That's a prophecy, Psalm 10.1. It's a prophecy about the Jews who will be in the tribulation, who will see the Antichrist martyr multitudes of believing Messianic Jews. And those Jews' souls in Revelation 6, 9 through 11, came out of that tribulation. And they say, how long, O Lord? When will you avenge our testimony of our blood we gave for you? When are you going to do something, God? And that's what they're saying. They're asking God, why doesn't he intervene? Just remember, he has a plan and he has a purpose and he will not return to this earth to judge and clean it up 
until Satan's evil system has run its course. It's a dispensational thing that's going on even today. Today, we live in the dispensation of grace. Today, God is patient, long-suffering, and he's calling out a people to be part of the body of Christ before he raptures them out of here. Today, when God doesn't intervene in our situation or in our tragedies or in our difficult, difficult circumstances, when he doesn't, a lot of times God is accused of negligence. He's accused of not caring. He must be judging me because of unconfessed sin. You ever been there? Oh, I don't... God, I must have some sin in my life. I have to remind myself, all my sin's been forgiven if I've been saved. Past, present, future. So it's not unconfessed sin. But the real truth is, we today, the body of Christ, the believers today, are not Israel. Now don't miss this next statement. We cannot make God do something that he's not doing in this dispensation. Hmm? Today, God doesn't use extra-biblical methods, angels, and move on people's feelings and emotions. And the reason is because now we have inside of us, we have God himself, the Holy Spirit, and a completed book he authored called the Bible. And they are to direct and to help us in our time of trials. Today, God is with us according to grace and not according to Israel's law. He deals with us not according to signs and wonders and interventions as Israel expected. Matthew 12, 38, 39 tells us about the Jews. Then certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall be no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet of Jonas. He said, I'm not giving you any more signs. I've done all kinds of them. I've healed hundreds of people. I've done all these things. I'm not giving you any more of those signs. There's only one sign left that you need to see. And that's the fact that you're going to kill me and I'm going to rise again. As Jonah was three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, so shall the Son of Man be, but he's going to rise from the dead. Amen? 1 Corinthians 1, 22. For the Jews require a sign. Today, God is forming a body, not the nation of Israel. Today, God is forming a heavenly people and not an earthly, priestly people as Israel. Why is this so important? Now, don't miss this. Today, we are to endure. Today, we endure body sickness. We endure unfair situations. We endure difficult circumstances. As our apostle 
Paul did. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 and 8. Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing besought, I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And by the way, what God said, no. 2 Timothy 4.20, the last part of his, Erastus the boat at Corinth and Trophimus have I left at my leadum. What? Wait a minute. At the beginning of his ministry, he could do the miraculous. But as the word of God was being completed, the miraculous began to go off the scene. And he even had to leave his helpers behind sick. So I'm wrapping all this up now. Rather than God removing our troubles, he gives us the strength, the hope, the grace to bear whatever comes our way. Romans 8, 24. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, what doth he yet hope for? But we, if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. And that's our deliverance from God. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, you know it well. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. When Paul asked God, remove this physical infirmity that Satan's placed on my body, God says to him in chapter 12, verse 9 of 2 Corinthians, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, Paul, for my strength is made perfect in Weakness, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, my difficulties, my health problems, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. In Christ, we are equipped to be able to endure all things. Whether I'm having problems on the job, whether it's my marriage or I've had a health setback, we are equipped weak instead. <clears throat> to Israel, Jesus said, John 4, 48, Then Jesus said unto him, Except ye see signs and wonders, ye will not believe. Unless you see God supernaturally doing something, you won't believe in me. You see, Israel, they were the sign people, and signs and wonders were their, was their birthright. Psalm 74 verse 9 says this, We see not our signs, there is no more any prophet, neither is there among us any that knoweth how long. He said, God stopped doing stuff. And the reason was because of their sin. But they expected signs. But today, under grace, in the body of Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. For we walk... Say that again. We walk... 
by faith, not by supernatural interventions. Amen? My conclusion is this. Where is God during our tragedies, our trials, our hurts? He's working in us, through us, using his word, his spirit, so that those troubles don't destroy us, but they make us stronger. For this cause also, thank we God without ceasing, because when you receive the word of God, which you heard of me, of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, now get this, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. God's got something supernatural called the word of God. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. That's Philippians. Ephesians 3.16 that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit, the word, the spirit now, in the inner man. Somebody will come along and say, well, why should we pray then? Am I going to have enough if I don't ask God to intervene? Ephesians 3.20 says this, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. There's something greater than our asking him to intervene. It's a power that's working in us and for us. The Spirit of God and the Word of God. And you have it within you. I was watching an old professor this week uh, Dr. Jerry Ben, and he, he said this. I, I thought it was excellent. He was, he, he was so intelligent, but he was simple to understand. He said, the more you study the Bible, now get this, the more you get to know God better. And the better you know God, you will realize he always does what's right. Amen? And then he said this, I've learned I can trust God at all times with any situation. And he lost a son when he was young, lost a wife, and he says, I can trust God in any situation. But one will never discover this until they study the word, apply the word, and trust the word of God. Where is God? You'll never know that until you learn to trust him. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I remember as a student at Tennessee Temple, my first semester, I'm in a class, and uh, they called this young man out of class. He got up and he left. After he went down the hallway, the teacher said they had just found his new baby had strangled itself with a, some type of a string or rope that was in uh, the bed. 
Now he's at a crossroads. What does he do? So Brother Charlie Chapman and myself, we watched him to see if he would come back even. And he came back, and he's right in his place, and he's faithful the whole semester. And that taught me something. You can trust God even in the midst of the worst scenarios you can imagine. God is faithful. My grace is sufficient. That means it's already working in you. My pastor who led me to the Lord, Pastor Wilson Wall, close to the end of his life, about a year prior to him, he lived in Carolina, lived up in the hills, and had a massive snowstorm. And during that snowstorm, his wife begins to have heart problems, and she passes out on the floor. He calls emergency, and they said, we're sorry that because of the snowstorm and the hazardous roads and everything, it probably will be tomorrow morning before they could ever get there. He held his wife, Jackie, a wonderful lady, and she passed away in his arms. And he had to spend all night with her. And he said, I picked my Bible up. I began to read it. And he read a couple of verses to me. He said, this is what God gave me. He made it through that time because he went to the word, the Spirit's working in the word, that he could trust God even in the midst of a horrific situation like that. I don't know what you might be going through today. Some tough deal. But let me encourage you. God is faithful. You don't have to say, where is God? We know where God is. He lives in us. We have the Spirit of God. We have the Word of God. And we all have a journey to take. And our journeys are different, aren't they? But one thing that is the same through it all is a God who loves us, who cares, who we can trust regardless. And I'm grateful to tell you he's the God of the Bible. And the reason I can trust him is, first of all, I believed in him for salvation. I knew I was a sinner. I was a good one. <laughs> but I know, as I heard, Christ died for my sin, was buried for my sin, and he rose again for my justification. It was his death, burial, resurrection alone that saved me. And now as you grow in the Lord, and it's a process, but you have to work at it. You learn that what he says in his word is true, and you can trust him. So where is God? I know where he is. He's right there. Amen. Father, thank you. As we were discussing it, I think of the world. They have no hope. They're alienated from God. They have no life of Christ. They don't have any of these things. But we who have been saved, we have it all. <laughs> what a blessing. 
to know that our sins were forgiven, we're going to heaven one day, but that's not all, that you came in the person of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of our bodies now. We are these vessels. Within us is a treasure. It's you. <laughs> and we look outside everywhere to find you when you're right there with us all the time. Give us faith. Give us encouragement. As we see this old world, and especially America, collapse, may we do our part to try to restrain. But in the end, may we just trust you and be the best vessels of light we can possibly be. Be with our folks today. Put your arms around them. Love them. Counsel them. Console them. But lift them up. We need a touch from you today, God. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. We hope you received a blessing from today's broadcast. We would love to have you visit with us in person. For more information, please visit our website at gpnd.net or contact us by phone at 317-535-3512. You can watch us live and view past services on our website, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Until next broadcast, may God richly bless you as our prayer.